All right, you ready? My turn. Okay. Episode seven. Oh, welcome to episode seven of C3, Crystals, Cauldrons, and Cocktails. I'm River. I'm Ren. Oh, man. I almost said <laughs> Okay, let's start over. Welcome to episode seven of C3, Crystals, Cauldrons, and Cocktails. I'm River. I'm Ren. And this week, we are continuing our discussion on herbs. Specifically, we're going to go into how to go from the harvesting of the herbs to using the herbs and magic. So first, where do you find these herbs? Where do you find the herbs? Well, number one, you can grow them, obviously. and you can grow them in garden beds. You can have an entire garden of just herbs, or you can even have a garden that's small, like in garden pots, like on a little patio, which you have at your house right now. Mm-hmm. You're kind of a patio witch right now, a patio garden witch. Wait, 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 wait. What are you drinking? <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> so what cocktail are you drinking today, Ren? I am drinking a Mike's Hard Strawberry Lemonade. Ooh, another lemon thing. You're still into the lemons. Um, I am. Hey, this is Ren. I'm editing and just listening through. I hear my sound isn't as adequate as it usually is. I've been having some technical difficulties with the microphone for this episode, but hopefully throughout the rest of the episode, it should be fine. Or if it's not, I'm very sorry. I will have it all fixed and ready to go for episode eight. Yeah, so I'm out of town again. I feel like every time I've been podcasting with you, except for last week when we were actually in person for a change, I my mom is sick, so I'm out of state helping my mom. So again, we're not in person together, which that was so much fun. I can't wait to do that again. But I am drinking. It's just I didn't have the energy today to make a fun cocktail. So I am drinking the McBride Sisters Collection Sparkling Brute Rosé from Hawke's Bay, New Zealand. Oh, fancy. And it is tasty. So I'm I'm sitting out on my parents' deck up here in the mountains, and I brought the bottle with me, brought it outside with me, got it set up. My parents aren't, although I think my dad's a witch, they aren't super into the, well, it's not that they're not into the witchy thing. They just... I don't think they know quite what to do with it. So anyway, I'm out on the deck enjoying the the weather out here. It's actually very pretty here and drinking this lovely McBride. I feel like McBride Sisters sounds like a witchy, witchy company. It does. It does kind of. It reminds Uh, me of the Practical Magic movie, like the sister. Oh, I love that movie. That's one of the very first movies I watch every Halloween season. In October, I'm all about the horror shows, and I watch Practical Magic as my number one. I start off Halloween season with Practical Magic. Yeah, but that one's not really witchy. <laughs> I mean, not it's witchy. not really witchy. It's super witchy. It's not Halloweeny. Very. That's what I. It is very witchy. Yes. So, I got totally off topic. Okay, so back to herbs, and where do you find your herbs? And the number one way is to grow them in your garden. I've got um, a land. I've got land so that we 
we do grow our herbs in our garden. And sometimes my husband says they're voracious weeds. <laughs> but anyway, uh, for people like you, uh, which has, uh, you've got a little deck and you can grow your herbs in garden pots. And y'all, she'll have to post a picture of her um deck it it is her little patio she has gotten the most beautiful patio garden i would say she has definitely got some green witch in her yeah, beautiful hippie vibe to it <laughs> they are and she painted her own i mean she's very artistic yeah. so she painted and she sanded down and painted a table that she had and it's all it's all color the colors just blend beautifully so post a picture on our website of your patio I will. You guys have to remind me because I tend to forget a lot. <laughs> I do too. Um, so yes, you can grow them in the little garden pots. So just because you're a city girl doesn't mean you can't have herbs and grow your own herbs for your witchcraft. You can find them in the wild, which is one of my favorite things to do. You can go and harvest them in the wild. You can buy them from farmer's markets. Atlanta has a great farmer's market that has fresh herbs. Um, and I bet a lot of towns do. Uh, probably any college town um, would have a farmer's market. Maybe. Uh, my friend that I visited, um, I think the time before last that I, we were podcasting, my that friend um, lives in a college town and there was a farmer's market there. So I think you can find farmer's markets, roadside stands, that kind of thing to find herbs. You can buy them online. Amazon Fresh has fresh herbs. You can, I mean, Amazon pretty much has anything. So you can order from Amazon. You don't have to order from Amazon. There's all kinds of places that sell dried herbs. I have found a California grower that makes a type of sage that I like to use in my smudge sticks. And it only grows out there in California. And so I order from them and use those in my smudge sticks. Did you know that according to Dorothy Jacob, this is totally off point, who wrote A Witch's Guide to Gardening, that just about every plant on earth has been used in witchcraft, except this certain type of wild celery. Didn't you say you were allergic to celery? I'm allergic to celery. It makes my tongue swell and go numb. <laughs> She's a witch for sure, because the fact was that the herbs were used against witches that no. they would sprinkle the the this uh wild celery around their house to repel witches oh my <laughs> isn't that interesting that made me think of you when i came across that i was like i don't think ren likes celery i think she's allergic to it she's definitely a witch <laughs> i guess it would work if i was going around their house licking their dirt <laughs> But other than that, I, I don't think it would repel me so much. <laughs> that is very funny. Yeah, don't do not do that. No. Or, or if you do, take a video. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, so harvesting tools. There are so many garden tools out there that are perfect for harvesting. And you may have stuff on this too. But there are blades and scissors and knives and pruners and trowels. You can use a ritual blade um, that you work just for your herb magic. Um, a bowline herb sickle is the perfect tool. It kind of looks like a crescent moon on a, on a stick. It's a perfect tool for harvesting. Mm -hmm. And you can have um, ceremonial bowline 
knives. You can have just regular bowline knives, but that is a perfect thing. You can use your athame, but I think an athame to me is a more ceremonial type knife than it than for herb herb use. But then again, if you're a kitchen witch, your athame may be that may be your tool for working with herbs. Yeah. Uh, I like to use garden scissors because I am a slightly accident prone and having a knife or a sickle in my hand is a bad thing. So I have less chance of cutting myself if I use the scissors and they have these special scissors that have like parallel blades Mm -hmm. and you can cut with those. So I like to use those. Another tool is the harvesting basket. You have baskets, bowls, cloths, jars. So it's kind of, it's really nice if you can find a, a cool basket that you can carry on your back oh, because yeah. that leaves your hands free if you're going to go hiking in the woods to be wild harvesting. Um, but a regular backpack will work. There's plenty of space, uh, space in a backpack. Wow, I've only had half a drink. <laughs> plenty of space in a backpack that for your tools and keeping your tools and herbs and all that separate so they're not a crumpled mess. Yeah. The cloths you can use to wrap herbs in, like especially uh, tender herbs, jars for any saps that you might want to collect off the tree or hard to contain herbs, like herbs that might break into little seeds. Um, what I can't remember which herb it is that I use that the little flowers just fall apart into these little tiny, smaller than pea size, size things. So a, a jar would be perfect for containing those. Even Tupperware, honestly, would work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can order some witchy containers on Etsy. I've seen some of those little Tupperware things with witchy lids. They're adorable. Oh, trust me. I have so many saved in my like, like little cart on Etsy and wherever. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm obsessed with all like these little jars and everything. I, I just have yet to buy any because I ha- my plants aren't ready. And this is my first season that I'm going to harvest and prepare my herbs and stuff. So you're actually planning this season on doing some herb magic? I'm really excited because I've never done it before. That's awesome. But I do need jars. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I have a whole ton saved. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. They they really, Etsy, I love Etsy, honestly. I like to support small businesses. Thank you. So um, they had on Etsy, speaking of Etsy, they had some witchy lunch boxes. That are perfect for, you know, and then they're kind, they're kind of insulated. So if you're out in the wild and it's hot, you don't want your herbs to wilt. You can put them in this little lunch box and they have the witchy designs on them. So they're very cute. That's adorable. A tool belt, you know, like a garden tool belt is perfect because I don't know that it's a good idea for me anyway to put my blade in the same place as my, um, herbs because when I'm reaching in for a jar I could cut myself that would be a me thing so if you keep your tools on your waist that is helpful as well there are actual harvest baskets on Etsy too and Amazon I mean like you said anywhere that you can choose from some cute ones some just utilitarian ones it just depends on what your vibe is and what you want to do an herb garden or herb or garden journal. That way you can keep track of the herbs that you've harvested, what dates you harvested them on, notes on where they were. You know, if you're up in a mountain, you're by a stream and you note that today it was a foggy day and the, you know, this herb just called to you and you can write all that information in your journal. So I feel like you should always carry an herb or garden journal with you. A field guide. 
you want to make sure that you know what you're harvesting when you're harvesting in the wild. A field guide is a great way to tell you this. They have pictures. They tell you about them. Um, and there are some fun witchy herb guides out there. So check those out as well. And then gloves. Oh, yeah. 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 I always, uh, what I always do is, I don't know why. I, I love getting my hands in the dirt. And I know this contrast. Mm-hmm. I said last time I'm a germaphobe. But... <laughs> I need, I don't know. I need that. I don't know. It makes me feel better. Connected. You feel connected to the earth. When I'm changing that way. But recently I've been like, uh, for something, I needed gloves. And I was at the store and I actually saw some and I was like, oh, I should get some. And I completely forgot. And then I had to go do something. And I was like, oh, the gloves would have been perfect for this. And gloves are essential. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. So your workspace. Think about your workspace for working with your herbs. You're, you're going to need some kind of work table, an altar or a counter or something to work with your herbs. Uh, I think it's best to be near a sink because I like, I use water as well when I'm cleaning my herbs, that kind of thing. A cutting board, it could be uh, as fancy as a true altar space to work your magic on. If, if herb magic is your thing, then you might be a lot more formal in your space because this is essential to your practice. I like to use, I like to do it outside when I'm wild harvesting. Now there is a difference from harvesting in the woods to harvesting in my backyard and my garden, two, two totally different feels and energies to those. Yeah. But in the wild, I like to find a large flat rock to work on because number one, it holds the heat. I just like you, when you touch it, you feel that connection to the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like to work on, on a large boulder. Andrew Kiernan says that you can work outdoors under a tree on a picnic blanket on your patio, that kind of thing. So other than your workspace, how do you actually harvest these herbs? So number one, make sure you know what you're harvesting, especially in the wild. You harvest with the moon in mind, at least for sure Ren will, because she is definitely into the moon magic. I like moon magic too, but under a waxing moon, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, you harvest plant parts that are above the ground. And under a waning moon, you harvest those parts that are buried in the soil. Okay. And then how you were talking, I think, last week about the, the planets and the signs that are associated with certain things. Air and fire signs are the best time. You know, I know the moon is associated and I really need to study up on this because I don't really know how it works. But like the air and fire signs of the moon, I don't know if that means when they're in alignment with them or what. But that's the time that you want to harvest because the plants at that time are considered barren and the growth will have ceased during those um, signs of the moon. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Kiernan, again, uh, she's like, I'm a huge fan. Uh, she says that the old farm, farmer's almanac is a great resource for checking the year's moon signs and phases to know when you want to go and harvest and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing wild harvesting, some plants are illegal or endangered to harvest. So you need to know your region. So for example, like Cardabelle in France, it's illegal to wild harvest that now. Yeah. It used to be good luck. They would use Cardabelle to hang on their door as a good luck charm on their door, but it also told the weather. And 
apparently the leaves curl inward when bad weather approaches, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. I mean, when bad weather approaches, like where I am, you can just smell it in the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these plants apparently would be able to tell, but you can't, you can't harvest them anymore there. So it's illegal. Never harvest so much that you kill the plant or leave it unable to regenerate when you're in the wild. Be mindful of the wildlife that's in the area that might need to use these plants as food sources. So you don't want to destroy their food source. Yeah. Uh, according to Andrew Kiernan, again, most white and yellow berries are poisonous. So be very careful when you're harvesting. She said she had some rhymes in her book, and I don't want to tell everything in her book. I think you all ought to go buy her book. But there are some rhymes that she had in there that are tricks to help you know what's poisonous and what's not poisonous and that kind of thing. So I encourage you to go look at it. We'll post the link probably on Amazon. I don't know how you post it. You do all that stuff. So, but yeah, we can post the link to this book. I really highly recommend it. Um, it, It's a really fantastic, well-rounded book on witchcraft, honestly. Mm -hmm. But she has some great herb harvesting tips that you need to check out. Oh, did you know that uh, when you hear the ingredients for stories that like, you know, the bat wings, Mm -hmm. what they're really talking about when they're talking about bat wings are probably holly because they're shaped like bat wings. Oh, yeah. So supposedly it's named for the shape of its leaf. So the brew that is really using these holly plants, not flying wings of little critters. (laughs) Holly is believed to provide protection and security. So it makes sense that it would be holly leaves used in these brews. But, you know, you always hear bat wings and that kind of thing. Um, But it's actually probably an herb that they were talking about. I thought I thought that was neat. Yeah, that is neat. So after you harvest your herbs, uh, and I know you've got stuff to talk about too. Mm-hmm. Um, my next thing uh, is about how to dry the herbs. Do you go into any of that on your notes? I go in a lot of depth about how to preserve your herbs in, okay. in, in various ways. But I also have, I guess, input. Like I, when I usually harvest mine, for instance, I haven't harvested any of my herbs and I'll probably do it differently than what I harvest my tomatoes or right. that. But usually I just use my hands because you can pinch off without harming or like damaging your plant at all with your hands or your nails. Mm-hmm. And then I also have um, leaves that you harvest should be free of insect damage or any blemishes. Leaves are often at their peak flavor. Um, anytime before they're flowering and really and develop off flavors after they're flowered, like after they flowered. So I thought that was really interesting because I had, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. And if harvesting the entire plant, you wait until just before the flower buds open. And if the plant is annual, cut it off at the soil line. And if it's, and I always struggle. Perennial. Yes. Perennial. Thank you. Cut off no more than one third of the stem. I heard that too. I read that somewhere too. And that goes along with not killing a plant to the point where it can't regenerate. We, we want to work with the world, not against the world and the energies. Yeah. And if you're harvesting the seeds and the fruit, be sure to harvest after they reach maturity and on a dry day, 
for most when like the fruit has changed from green to whatever color, like red for tomatoes, or even if it's a leaf, like to tan brown to black. So if you're harvesting a tomato for the seeds, you wait until it's almost too ripe or overripe? I think right as it reaches, like right after they reach maturity. So okay. think, oh, I need to harvest that. You give it a day or two and then you harvest it. Okay. Okay. For preserving, after you harvest, uh, you're going to want to wash and store the herbs that you've harvested properly. Mm-hmm. So after harvesting leaves and, or the whole plant, if you should, you rinse in cold water and pat dry. Herbs and spices that are intended for refrigerating, freezing, or drying should be preserved as soon as possible for best flavor and color. And remember to label the container with the name and herb in the date of the harvest. Yes. And you can even put where you harvested it from. So like if this came, say you went out of state on a hiking trip or something and you harvested some herbs, it would be helpful on your jar to say this is from Virginia or this is from Colorado or, you know, whatever. So refrigerating your herbs, which I have never heard of, honestly. Uh, I know that you refrigerate ginger and um, stuff like that. Like you can, if you want to. I refrigerate when I order my sage that comes when, if I'm not ready right then to make my sage bundles, I will refrigerate them until I'm ready to use them. Yeah. And I had never, I had never heard of this before. Interesting. Okay. I was reading, I found everything really interesting and I will post everything that I like where I got my information from in the description of our podcast. So after rinsing, place the herbs loosely in a plastic bag and place in the refrigerator. The herbs will remain fresh for a few days to a week. Another method is to place the whole plant or plants in a sprig or jar or cup with about an inch of water covering the herb with a plastic bag. And then you place it in the refrigerator and change the water out daily. The herbs will last up to two weeks. So that's if you need them to be fresh because like me, sometimes you aren't ready to do your magic with your herbs at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. But but talking about washing them and, you know, patting them dry, like you said, that also is a good time to remove any of any dead and damaged materials that you you like. Sometimes there are some dead leaves that are in there and you want to clean all that stuff out. So basil and oregano should be used on day of harvest because it's not, it doesn't hold well in the refrigerator. Oh. Fennel stalks dry out really quickly and should be used within three to four days of the harvest. So freezing your herbs after rinsing, gardeners have the option to freeze their whole leaves or cut the leaves in torn sections, however you want to. You can tear the herb and freeze part of it, refrigerate the other part, however you want to do it. Herbs can simply be placed in the freeze in freezer containers or bags and left there. So herbs can be placed in a single layer on a cookie sheet and then frozen. Do you think, you know, those, what are those machines that suck the air out of the bag? Do you think that that would be the better way to freeze them? Or do you think it matters? Mm, I'm not sure. Me either. Anyway would be effective, but you have to get it like, like flat and on a thin layer because 
I think clumping them together would not preserve it as well. So you have to get it flat. Okay. Don't waste that much of like the freezer bags to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a preference to whoever's using the bags. And- well, and I think the freezer bags, when you're sucking the air out of it, it might bend your, it might ruin your yeah, it could. I've your it, herbs. Anything about like the freezer, like like the the Those, I know what you're about, yeah that machine. I can't remember what it that sucks the air out of the bags. You know, whatever. Food saver. Yes, that's it. So, um, alternatively, herbs can be placed. Oh, that's the wrong. That's that love the that's the wrong line. The herbs are frozen. They can be placed in freezer containers or bags. So, I mean, oh, so like you're talking about putting them on a tray flat and freezing them, freezing them first. This method prevents the herbs from freezing in clumps, and it may be easier to remove individual quantities for cooking or uh, spell casting or whatever you're doing. Okay. In general, blanching herbs before freezing will sacrifice the flavor but retain better color. So whatever you're going for, mm-hmm. if one opts to blanch, place the herb in a colander and pour boiling water over them for about one second. Um, and so basil is one herb that should always be blanched. It will blacken if not blanched prior to freezing. That's interesting. So once frozen, herbs can last up to six months to a year, retain their flavor through those six months to a year. So frozen herbs can be used in cooking without defrosting. And when frozen herbs is like in uncooked foods, they should be thawed and like drained of excess water. Or if you want to add the excess water to your food, you can do that. But most I feel like that would be a a magical essence that you would want to put into whatever you're doing. Again, it's personal preference. Right. Um, So the texture will also be softer than freshly harvested. Okay. My next point is about how to dry the herbs, which I think might be before you get to the freezing part. Although some of your information was to dry, I mean, to freeze it immediately. So the freezing first, and then I have a whole separate section on drying the herbs. Okay. Okay. Onto drying them. I didn't have anything about freezing. Well, I don't think I did. I'll have to look. I don't remember. (laughs) So to dry herbs, you can either air dry or heat dry. Mm -hmm. And there are tools that you might use to dry. You have a drying rack, um, string for tying the herbs and bunches together to hang. You can use an old window screen or a a wooden frame that you put a screen. You just staple it onto it if you want to make it yourself. An oven or a food dehydrator or a microwave and trays. Mm -hmm. So these are the tools that you might use in drying your herbs. So some of these tools can be just simple handmade things that you do. You go and you find a tray out of, you know, a cookie sheet or whatever, or you can go super fancy and say, I am going to be a fancy witch today and buy these things, you know, special things off Etsy or Amazon or whatever that are witchy and cool looking themselves. So just, or a garden supply shop, they have a lot of stuff too. Just depends on what you're looking for. Um, For air drying, generally you hang 
the herbs for air drying, but not always. So you tie the herbs in loose bunches that allow for air circulation and you hang them in a well-ventilated dry space. And this is what I do. Well, partially what I do when I'm using for my smudge sticks. You can also, and this one I had never heard of, you can put them in brown lunch bags. So you, you tie them like you would if you're just hanging them, but then you put them into lunch bags or brown bags or paper bags of some kind with that tied end out sticking out the top and you punch holes in the bag for um, circulation and this actually protects the herbs from getting outside contamination like dust or dirt while they're drying which I never thought about I never never thought about it or they can keep your cats out of them too if you have cats that walk around in your barn and want to eat your herbs which I have a cat that likes to go into my altar room and so my smudge sticks often he wants to eat them. So putting them in the bag would also protect them from any kind of outside influences. You hang them somewhere, not in the sun. You do not want the sun on them because that will bleach them out and take away a lot of their essence. And it can take up to a month to dry completely. You can tray dry, which is where you put the herbs on a single layer in a warm, well-ventilated area. You have to make sure you turn the leaves periodically so that they dry evenly. Um, it's best if there's circulation underneath. So I like to use the screen or, you know, those cooling racks that you cool cookies on after you bake cookies, they're like grids. Those I think are perfect. If, if they're not the type of herbs that herbs that are really tiny, if they're like long leafed herbs, you can put them on those. And that's a great way to, to dry them. Heat drying is something I had never really thought about until I, researched for this Mm -hmm. food dehydrators i am going to go and buy a food dehydrator i want to try this method i had never thought about using that until doing this research but i think i am going to do this it makes perfect sense right right that because like the options that i have like like what i did my research on was like oven drying which is typical i see that all the time microwave drying which I never really see that so that was very interesting and then the air drying that you just talked about and mine were like more basic but I had never thought of like the food drying like you know the machines that you're talking about what are they called me either food dehydrator I don't know dryer outer dryer outer holy moly (laughs) (laughs) so I do I think maybe we can do one of these together or something Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be- I, I would love to get together with you and have an herb herb working party. Yes. Where we drink wine and we work with our herbs and we, you know, prepare them for drying. And then we actually, you know, take the ones that have already been prepared and do our magic with them. Anyway, we'll have to talk about that later. Um, the next heat drying one is the oven. You got to be super careful with an oven. The temperature needs to be low. Um, usually they say between 90 to 100 degrees. So try your oven on the lowest setting. If your oven is finicky and runs super hot, you might want to leave your oven door cracked um, and then turn the leaves as, as it goes. And it could take up to three hours in a regular oven to do it this way. The microwave that you were talking about, this one is tricky because you can scorch your herbs so easily. I 
would place them between paper towels and start slowly, like every 30 seconds. Uh, What I was reading that says, oh, you do it for a minute and a half to start. And I'm like, "Mm." yeah, I I think I would start at 30 second intervals. Yeah, it's a bit more tedious, I would think. I haven't done it yet, but I feel like, yeah, doing that like every 30 seconds, every you have to check it, make sure you're not burning your herbs, you're not like damaging them beyond repair. And so it's just like, I feel like the microwave is a little bit more tedious. Oven drying might be better because you can like open the oven, heat, and it's still dry. But it would take three hours with an oven that it might take five minutes with a microwave. So, you know, if you're in a hurry that, although I don't know that you should always be in a hurry when using magic. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that energy could rub off the your, your you could be careless. I, I feel like magic needs to be more intentional. But it, it is something. Now I use the microwave when I dry. Um, I make dried f- pressed flowers, oh. which you often press between books, and there's a whole process, and it takes too long for me, and I am impatient. So. I have used the microwave to press flowers before to make certain things. Um, and so I would think that would be a similar process. So now that I've said that, I realize that maybe my, maybe uh, since I'm impatient, maybe I would be one of those witches that would use the microwave. It reminded me because uh, a while ago I put flowers in one of my books to prepare and I don't think I ever took them out. <laughs> <laughs> I just reminded you. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm like, uh, I think I got to go look now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, my next thing is how to store them. So you've got more on how to dry them? Yes, I have a little bit more. You 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 covered most of it. Okay. Oven drying is really quick. I'll go over what I have. So oven drying is a quick method. Mine says quick. Other than mm-hmm. like yours. I mean, three hours is quick compared to three months. I mean, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, well, it's a quick method to remove water from your herbs. However, during the pr- drying process, essential oils are lost and therefore some flavors lost. If using this method, position herbs and spices on a single layer on a cookie sheet and place them in the oven at the lowest temperature. The oven door should be left slightly ajar for air circulation, like you said. Mm-hmm. And turn the herbs and spices over periodically to uniform the drying. Yes, they are sufficiently dry when they are crisp and easily to break um, and avoid over drying because it's easy to over dry them and cool prior to like the storage. Okay. Um, what about any other um, methods of drying that you would come up with? So yeah, for microwaving always removes the water from the herbs and spice quickly without affecting the flavor. So if you want to retain the flavor, often for microwaving instead of oven drying. So there is a reason to use a microwave. You're not, it's not necessarily just because you're in a hurry. That's not just for the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So place the herbs or spices in a single layer between paper towels, microwave for up to four minutes, turning them over and checking for dryness for like, I, I, I guess like recoil in the leaves, like trying to crisp in. Okay. The towels need to be replaced once they are too moist. The herbs are sufficiently dry when they are crisp and easily to break. And again, avoid over drying and cool prior to storage. Okay. 
for air drying, I have, you really hit on the main points of air drying. Uh, one method of air drying entails tying strings to a basin, like bundle of plants and sprigs or seed heads and make sure the bundle is small enough for adequate air circulation for uniform drying. Then mm-hmm. the bundle upside down in a warm 68 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, well-ventilated, dry, and dark space. And y'all, I can't tell you how good herbs smell when they're drying. <laughs> they smell so good. Well, it depends. There are some herbs I don't like. Rosemary, I'm not a fan of. I, I think I'm allergic to it. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had said that that was the herb that is used to repel witches because I do not like it. But most herbs, as they're drying, my altar room, it just, it smells heavenly. I bet. I bet. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to start mine. I know mine's not going to smell as grand because I don't have that many. I only have lavender, chamomile, sage, and mint. Thinking about your apartment, where are you going to, where, where is your space going to be? Is it going to be out on the patio? I think it'll be in the kitchen. Because I was going to say it's too wet outside, really. So in the kitchen would be good, probably. Uh, the kitchen would be fine. I can set up a, a cute little hanging area from my top cabinets. I have a window with some more plants, but those plants are not herb plants. They're succulents and I have a bonsai. Yeah, mostly they're succulents and bonsai. And so I can hang them there in the sun. I love bonsai, but I'm not sure I've got the patience to work with those. Uh, And it's a good thing our husbands love us because we have witch stuff all over our houses. Everywhere. But I keep (laughs) mine so minimal. Like, he's just like, whatever. My, My witch stuff, like my whole house basically is an altar because I have all my little knickknacks and they're placed in specific places. If anybody touches them, I go, uh-uh, you can't touch my stuff. That's that feng shui or feng shui? Feng shui of the house. I'm very specific about where my stuff goes. And I to, to change the energies of my house, instead of moving my furniture, I've moved my little knickknacks. And- See, I love that. And your crystals. What, y'all, she is a crystal fanatic, an expert, really. We'll have to do a lot of... Uh, episodes on crystals. I'm excited about that too. So many, they're like pouring out of my ears at this point. Um, my husband was like, yeah, what are we going to do with all these rocks? And I was like, rocks. <laughs> call them. Yeah. I know you're rubbing off on one of our mutual friends because she planted um, succulents and put crystals in her things. I'm like, you know, we're going to make her a witch yet. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. She's very skeptical. She's like, whatever. But yet she puts crystals. She's like, you do you. But she did. She put those crystals in with her plants. I was like, I asked her, I was like, why? And she's like, oh, they're just really cool. You got to, you know, mix up the colors and the the texture of the crystals. And I was like, how are you? (laughs) Yep. She's feeling those energies. She just is not acknowledging that she is. Even if it's like in her mind, an aesthetic, you know, like because she placed them aesthetically, that's still something. I agree. Yeah. We're converting our friends, (laughs) y'all. So did you finish all of your drawing techniques? I have. I have finished. Okay. 
All right. So my next thing is about storing the herbs. You take the herbs down from their drying. Like if you air air drew them, that's not right. Air dried them. Wow. You take them down during the waning moon because this is when the energies are pushed inward. You store them in glass jars with airtight lids. You label the containers, like you said, with the name of the earth or the, the name of the herb, the date harvested and the place. Store them in a cool location out of sunlight. You try to avoid crushing the leaves to preserve the full flavor. If you crush them just before you're cooking them, if that's what you're using it for, if it's a culinary herb that you're using, you don't want to crush it until right before you're using it because that's what brings out that essence. Mm -hmm. And like you said, most herbs can last up to a year if properly stored. And then I had never thought about herbs, herb seeds. S E E D S seeds. You can also dry the herb seeds. And this kind of went, blew my mind. I just had never thought about it, but but it's actually, that's where the essence of the plant is, is in their seeds. So hearing you talk about, you know, when to harvest, you know, right as they're ripe to to get the seeds, Mm -hmm. that's all new to me. Um, But it says you cut the stems with seed heads just as the head begins to turn brown you gather them into small bunches and you hang them upside down in the paper bags with holes punched in them for ventilation that Mm -hmm. keeps the cat from eating them (laughs) once dry the seeds can be shaken out of the seed heads and you rub the seeds together to remove them from their sheath or their shell or whatever it is that they're in the chafe, you know, that kind of stuff. And you lay the seeds out on a clean flat surface and you kind of blow on them Mm -hmm. to remove any debris, separate that, that chafe and the debris. And you store those in sealed containers. Like I love the glass containers that to me, they're just witchy looking. So I do like to use the glass containers and for all these drying techniques, make sure the herbs and seeds are completely dry before you store them or you're going to end up with mold. That's true. Yes. Yes. Did you know that a banana is an herb? I feel like anything can be an herb. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I came across this and I'm like, a banana is not an herb. What are you talking about? I found a lot of, and I was like, like that is not an herb, but If you think about it, if you think about it generally, you can literally, as a witch, do anything that you want. That's true. But my tomato's an herb because it kind of is. Like, yeah, my banana's an herb, you know? Well, you you know, you told us the definition last week, but I was like, how is a banana an herb? And Mm -hmm. then I came across it saying, (coughs) excuse me, it's not even the biggest herb. And I'm like, a banana is pretty big. The ginkgo ginkgo balboa tree is an herb. Oh, which I know that is a magical tree. It definitely is. Yes, I think. But okay, so the definition you said last week that an herb was is any plant with leaves, seeds, or flowers used for flavoring food, medicine, or perfume, or something like that. That was close to your definition. Anything. And banana leaves are used in cooking. Think of the Hawaiian food. They wrap, you know, the pig skin in banana leaves. And um, also bananas. Did you know bananas are related to ginger? Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
bananas are my favorite fruit, right? Really? I love bananas. I love them. I, I make banana pudding. I make banana, anything, banana ice cream. Ooh, that's my favorite. Listen. Ice cream. Okay. Y'all, if you all email her and ask her, she will post that recipe. So, but you got to ask for it. I can just say it. I think they need to ask for it. We need, we need responses from our fans. I mean, you're right. Okay. I'll leave out an ingredient. So it won't. <laughs> Bananas, heavy cream, vanilla cookies. You grind them up. But there's also like little like hacks that I put in there to make it better. So if you want to know that, you got to tweet us. <laughs> that sounds really yummy. And then you could make banana ice cream into banana ice cream cocktails with vodka or oh, rum. Rum would be good. Don't make a face at me. So gross. I'm a fan for banana. No, it sounds good. It doesn't sound appetizing at all. I think, I think bananas and rum and maybe coconut. Ooh. But now you're starting to get into like the pina colada. You're just missing. Yeah. Oh, let's do a pina a banana pina colada. Oh. <laughs> Take a whole new drink while you're at it. <laughs> I okay. <laughs> so I have more information on the banana. Okay. So it is related to ginger since the plant has a succulent tree stem instead of wo- a wood one, which I didn't know that. Apparently, its stem is not a is not wood. I thought it was a tree. I thought anyway. It's a banana tree. And then the yellow thing that you peel and eat, the the thing that we know as a banana, is a fruit because it contains the seeds of the plant. Mm -hmm. Where in a banana is the seeds? I eat the seeds. You eat the seeds. I can't see the seeds in a banana. The banana, and then you see when you look into the core of the banana after you bit into it, there are the seeds. Okay, I'm going to have to go make banana drinks just so I can uh, look at the seeds inside the banana. And then as to this ginkgo balboa tree, it is originally from China, and it's also known as the maidenhair tree, the kuu tree, and the fossil tree. And it can reach a height of 40 meters, it says. So this was obviously a European country. us Americans still aren't metric. Yeah, we're not on, we're not on the metric system. Yeah, we're not with the rest of the world yet. Um, the leaves and seeds are used for a variety of medical conditions, and ginkgo is currently one of the best-selling herbal medicines in Europe. It's a, a concoction taken by many middle-aged and elderly folk to increase mental alertness, which obviously I need, and to aid memory, which, again, so I need to go eat some ginkgo balboa tree. <laughs> but that I, I mean so herbs are not just these little you know basil leaves that we're thinking of this whole tree the bananas are herbs yeah I think anything can be an herb honestly I, I, it just yeah it just has to fit that definition which I had never really thought about it well thanks that's all that we had so thanks for listening to this episode y'all know where to find us on our website at c3witchypodcast.com And there you will find our links to our social medias. But if you want to go directly to our social medias, it is C3 Witchy Podcast on every social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. So thank you guys so much for listening.
Also, don't forget to check out our merch link that is also on our website. And let us know if you want us to do anything different, like different designs, different colors. We have a new um, update from Creator that we are collaborating with. They do have a new shipment of just straight t-shirts for anybody who doesn't want tank tops. I know I personally love t-shirts, so I'm excited about the t-shirts. And yeah, so always chat us. We love to hear your input and everything from everybody. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>